First and Second Peter, writing to his churches, encouraging them to endure the difficult days ahead. Um, it kind of ties into what's on my heart today. He, he says this. He's talking to the elders in the flock in First Peter five. He says, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that's under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, the chief shepherd who will come, um, as a lion with a sword in his hand. There's so many, so, so much imagery that all mixes together. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Um, and it's, it's, it's very, very easy in our culture um, to, to see these, these things as, as disconnected from any uh, greater eternal purpose that Bad things happen, tornadoes come, tornadoes go. It's almost like we live in this, this cycle. Uh, and and the, the, the Christian faith is clear that there is, uh, there is an end to all things. There is a, a destination for the created world that we're in. Um, and it's, it's, uh, we are wise to pay attention to the things that are happening around the world and to remember that there is one king who is returning to set things right. And uh, so a couple things have been on my mind. Uh, I'm trying to think of where to, where to go with this, just given our time as well. I want to do this. Um, I want to uh, just to, to read a, a couple paragraphs from a short story by Ernest Hemingway. The story is called The Capital War. By the way, this is an elder commissioning service. That's what, this, that's what we're going to do in the next few minutes, half an hour or so. So I've been looking forward to this for a long, we've been needing this for a long time. Um, we, we delayed it early on, um, and this is the right season for it. So I just want to share a couple things, uh, and then we're going to, uh, to, to, to um, commission our elders of our faith family. But let me read this to you. This is a story that I heard many, many years ago, and it's, um, it's powerful to me, and it's just a few paragraphs. Um, it's from the story, The Capital of the World, by Ernest Hemingway. It says this, No one could really say why he ran away, or perhaps he didn't, but he was kicked out of his home by his father for something foolish that he said or did. And I think this is more probably a summary of, 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 of the short story. Either way, Paco found himself wandering the streets of Madrid, Spain, with hopes of entering into a profession that would most likely get him killed bullfighting. Those who train under a mentor have a good chance of surviving this profession, but Paco's memory of his mistakes and guilt over what happened blindly drove him to this one-way street to suicide. But that was the last thing his father wanted, which is why he tried something desperate, which he desperately hoped would work. There was little to no chance he would be able to find Paco by wandering the streets of Madrid. So instead, he put an ad advertisement in the local newspaper, El Liberal. The advertisement read, Paco, meet me at the Hotel Montana at noon on Tuesday. All is forgiven, Papa. 
Of course, Paco is such a common name in Spain that when the father went to the hotel Montana the next day at noon, there were 800 young men named Paco waiting for fathers and for forgiveness. The reason that sticks with me is because two, two realities are woven into the DNA of, of my philosophy ministry, and I think in the DNA of this church. One of them is um, this concept of, uh, of, of sonship, of God giving us a spirit of sonship, that God wants to take human beings from being orphans, having a, uh, an orphan spirit, being isolated and outside of the family of God. He wants to return men and women to being sons and daughters of God. And Paul talks about this in, in Romans chapter 8. He talks about a spirit of sonship that's given to us. We no longer have a spirit of slavery. We're not called to be slaves anymore. Um, but, the, but, but Paul says we've been given a spirit of sonship. And we've, we've unpacked that in a teaching probably several years ago. You can find it on, on our website. Um, and it's interesting is that Paul does not say that you have a spirit of daughtership. Mama's in the church, ladies in the church. You don't have a spirit of daughtership. You have a spirit of sonship, and that's important. Uh, there's a little bit of a background to that, but, but essentially a, 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 to be a son in Roman society means you have the full right and the full privilege of inheriting your father's estate. Daughters didn't have that. Only sons, only legal sons had that. And there was a process for being adopted as a son in Roman society. And even adopted sons had the full privilege of, of, of receiving everything. They were, they had just as if they had been born into the father's family. And Paul wants to make it clear that when you're in Christ, you're no longer an orphan. You're no longer a slave, that you have been placed as you have a spirit of sonship. Even if you're a daughter, that you have the claim of sonship upon you as well. That's the first reality that, that, um, that has been just ingrained in me from a long time is that how we are to live as God's family begins with being sons and daughters of God. And we talk about that. That's one of our three uh, pillars of our church is that we are a worshiping family. We've talked about that extensively. What does it mean to be a family? It doesn't mean that we're, mar- you know, we're not all blood kin. Some of you are. You know, some of you are related here. Um, but it's obviously, it's, it's a deeper thing. We are, we are connected as brothers and sisters um, and sons and daughters uh, of, of the Lord. The other, the other um, idea or conviction that we have is that sons and daughters need mothers and fathers. And that may seem quite self-evident, but let me tell you, it's, it's very, very common um, in, in, in our culture, even in our evangelical culture, for, for us to go about our Christian life as spiritual orphans. We're saved, God loves us, you know, we're, 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 we're in the kingdom, but we are still separated. We're still just, we don't have a connection to a spiritual father or a spiritual mother. And the Lord has really been stirring that in my heart, um, that sons and daughters need mothers and fathers. And I want to, I want that to be a reality in my own life. And I want that to be a reality in our, in our church family where we, where you, you are not just a son, but you're also a spiritual father to other people. You're not just a daughter, but you're a spiritual mother to other people. And we are a church of sons and daughters of the King, but we're also a church of mothers and fathers of other people. 
And the Lord is really, he's kindling that up um, in my, and, and Colin, you and I had a conversation this last week about discipleship and about, you know, this idea of sort of one-on-one pouring and investing in people. And that's, that's what spiritual fatherhood is. You know, it's not enough for me just to sit up here and, and speak sort of to, you know, 50 people. I need to be investing in, in spiritual sons, spiritual daughters, Megan, that kind of thing as well. So, um, that's, that's been in my mind for a while, and it's part of what has driven our philosophy of eldership here at King's Church. And there's many different backgrounds of, you know, some of you may be from a, a different church background or context where, you know, elders mean something entirely different than the person sitting next to you. Or maybe you didn't even, maybe you've never heard of what an elder is and you're just thinking, well, that's just a board member. You know, I know what a board member is. I know what the deacons are, you know, uh, you know, they're the ones who, who, who pay all the bills and change the light bulbs and vote on what color carpet and all those kind of things. Um, and when, when the Lord has called us to birth this church, um, it was it was it was one of my driving convictions that we carefully we carefully guard um, this model of governance, this model of how we're going to how we're going to be um, how we're going to be shepherded, um, and 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 so we've you know over the last three or four years we've sort of been been growing in this and developing this, um, and and we're, we're we've put some things in place that we feel are are uh, in keeping with the vision that God has given us. For that, I want to share a few of those with you here, um, and then I'll give you guys a heads up, Ron and Betsy and Jim and Linda. Um, I will have the four of you in a little bit come up here. We've got some chairs here, and I'm going to give you a chance just to share a little bit about just your own faith journey. You know, you don't, all four of you don't have to speak. If, if one of you wants to represent um, each, each couple, that's fine to do, um, but if you want to take five minutes or so just to share a little bit about you know, your faith journey and, 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 and what brought you to this place. I'll give you a little bit of a heads up for that. Um, the New Testament prescribes two offices for, uh, for local church leadership, um, deacons and elders. And those are English words that come from two Greek words. Um, elders, uh, there's several different ways to translate that word. Um, episkopos, that's a Greek word, and, and the New Testament translates that word in, in several different ways in English. Um, one of them is overseers. First Timothy chapter 3 refers to overseers of the local church. Um, uh, First Peter chapter 5, he, call, he uses that same word, but we translate that as shepherds. Um, and then in Ephesians 4, uh, we refer to it as pastor. So pastor, shepherd, overseer, elder, um, these are kind of synonymous in the New Testament. It refers to one of the two offices um, of, of, of giving oversight to the local body. The other one is, is, is deacons. We're not talking about that this morning. We're talking about elders. And elders are, elders are called to shepherd God's people in the local church. By knowing, by, by knowing the people, by feeding, by leading, by protecting them spiritually. Um, the Bible talks about the, the kind of qualifications, the kind of exemplary lives that they are expected to have. Um, there's, there's a very high standard in the New Testament for, uh, for who, can, who can be an elder. And it has absolutely nothing to do with education or degrees or seminary training or, or age or any of these things. It is, it is all about spiritual maturity. Um, so let me give you four things um, that elders do at King's Church. 
and then I'm going to introduce, we're going to kind of walk through a, a few things, and then we're going to pray and, and, and commission our, our, our elders. The first thing, and these should be up here, the first thing that elders do is they govern the church body. Do I have these up? Awesome, I do. You guys don't get fill in the blanks very often, but you do this time. I'm just excited about being in here. Got two new TVs we need to use them, right? Black Friday specials, by the way. Don't get excited. Don't think we're dropping a whole lot of money on these. <laughs> elders, that's the first thing is the elders do at King's Church is they govern they govern the church body. The elders are the, are the, are the, um, the sort of the final governing body uh, of this church family. Elders are responsible for putting policies in place for governance, financial policies and how spending happens and, 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 and um, practices and how do, we, how do we do ministry? You know, what are our facilities policies and, um, and these kind of things? How... Um, Elders also, uh, they, they're responsible for the key decisions that are happening in the church. Um, they also provide checks and balances and oversight. The bylaws spell this out. By the way, if you, want to, if you want to review the bylaws, I want to give you a URL right now so you could even look it up if you wanted to. kingschurch.net slash bylaws. That will take you to a copy of our Constitution and Bylaws where you can review these if you, if you want to. Um, the bylaws spell this out. They provide checks and balances. They provide oversight. We are not a, we are not an, a, 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 um, a dictatorship where I run the show. Praise the Lord for that. This show would not go on very long if, if, if it were just up to me. So the elders provide uh, checks and balances and oversight as well. So that's the first thing they do. Elders govern the church body. Um, and that's, in that sense, they do function a lot like the church board. You know, if you're familiar with church boards, you know, they, they function much in that same way. The second thing the elders do is they protect the church culture. They protect the church culture. The elders are the ones and... And you can review in our, in our bylaws too, and it, it gives you sort of two types of elders at King's Church, governing elders and teaching elders. I'm sitting here functioning as a teaching elder this morning. We're going to be um, commissioning for governing elders. But collectively, the elders protect the church culture. We begin to ask those questions like, are we a biblical church? Are we carrying out the great commission and the great commandment. We may be growing, we may have a lot of money in the bank, we may have tailbones in every pew, but are we biblical? You know, are we honoring to the Spirit of the Lord? Is the culture of King's Church biblical? Is it healthy? You know, um, are there issues of division and gossip that need to be addressed? Is there church discipline that needs to be exercised in love? All of that is part of protecting the church culture. And the elders have, have, carry that weight of, 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 of stewarding and shepherding the church culture. And we've, we've had, um, you know, we've had to, to, to sort of step into some of those waters in the last several months, in the last year or so. And it's not pleasant at all. But it's necessary to preserve and to protect the culture of King's Church. And that falls upon, uh, upon the elders. The third thing elders do is they nurture the church family. They nurture. They are, they are mothers and fathers of the church. 
And you're going to say, hold on, wait a minute. I thought you just said 10 minutes ago that each of us were to be mothers and fathers. Yes, that's true. But they are the mothers and fathers of mothers and fathers. They are the fathers of fathers and the mothers of mothers. That's a tongue twister, right? They lead, they lead the way. They help to set this, uh, um, they, they help to model relationships, priority relationships. They lead the way in praying for the sick and pastoring and shepherding. I am, not, I, am, I am not the only pastor of this church. I'm not the only shepherd of this church. That is a spiritual role um, that, that they carry as well as elders. Um, so nurturing the church family is the third thing. The fourth thing that elders do is they preserve the church mission. Not only, they don't, not only do they ask, are we biblical and healthy and growing, but are we on track with our unique mission in this community for this generation? Are we fulfilling our mission? And they are, we are also, they, we sort of all together are responsible for asking, what is God saying to us during this season? Are we on course? What, what adjustments do we need to make? And these are important, these are really important questions to ask. And um, in my, in my, in my experience in, you know, two decades of ministry working with boards, usually I've never been a part of a, a, of a board that, that really wrestled with these questions of, of mission and vision. It was usually, hey, did we, how much money did we get in? And, you know, are the bills all paid? And all right, who, who's going to get the oil changed on the church van? And all right, let's, let's adjourn and follow our Robert's Rules of Orders and go on home. But the elders are called to preserve the church mission. Are we on track? Are we fulfilling what God's called us to do? So they govern the church body. They protect the church culture. They nurture the church family. They preserve the church mission. It's a lot of responsibility on um, this body believers. And I'll have the Taylors and the Latimers come on up as well. And I want to I give them a chance just to, to, to share um, just five minutes or so each um, about, uh, about their own faith journey and what, what brought them to King's Church. So uh, Ron has actually been, a, been our lead elder from the very, very beginning. And, um, but we're, we're gonna, we've never really had a chance to sort of officially lay hands on him uh, and pray over, pray over him as well. So <laughs> I'm Ron, Ron Taylor. Um, I have been a born-again believer for 50 years now. I met Jesus when I was 20, mostly thanks to a young lady named Betsy, mm -hmm. who I grew up in an American Baptist church in Dayton, Ohio, from the time they carried me in. Um, it, was, it was a place where you could find Jesus if you knew how to look for him, but if you didn't, it was just a, a place to come and hang out with your friends or or, and that was more my testimony, although I did meet Jesus at one time, but I didn't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. um, I met Jesus in a big way when I was 20, and Betsy was working at the same summer job that I was in college, and she was leaving tracks and answering questions, and, and I was seeking, and I didn't really know I was seeking, but I was seeking, and when I found Jesus, it was an explosion for me. It was a born-again experience that blew me out of the, the, the normal of being a, just a churchgoer. Mm -hmm. And we started dating, and um, 
I mean, you know, probably in, in, within the next two weeks, I was at a, a prayer meeting with Betsy where I, I heard about the Holy Spirit, heard about people that knew how to contact the Holy Spirit in a, in a personal way. I went home and asked Jesus, I said, if this is something I'm supposed to have, I want it. And I, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, mm -hmm. and just, just a, it, was, it was a childlike faith. So um, eventually and, and shortly after, um, Betsy convinced me that I needed to marry her. <laughs> and well, she kept asking, you know, and I... <laughs> So, <laughs> I met I met Jesus in September. We were already planning to get married by Christmas. Wow. We ended up being married in February. We were 20, so we need to have our parents' approval. Back in Ohio, and back then you had to be 21. But uh, we finally got our parents' approval. We were married in February, and next in about two more months, that will be 50 years ago. Wow. And I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I don't. I don't know how it got here so quickly, but <laughs> here we are. But um, Jesus is Lord, and I am, I've, I've had a blessed life. We have three daughters, three living daughters. We lost a couple, um, but we have three daughters, and um, two of them are here with us. And you, most of you know who our, our middle daughter and youngest daughter is. Our oldest daughter is not here at the moment, but uh, she and her family are are close, and that's why we're here. Us Buckeyes came to Kentucky to be down here with uh, our children and grandchildren, and that was almost eight years ago. So mm -hmm. things things happen quickly, and okay. it's amazing how uh, God coordinates things in our lives. And here's Betsy. <laughs> <clears throat> well, if you've heard me speak at all, um, either women's conference or at uh, a few weeks back, um, you know, I'm a preacher's kid, so grew up in the same American Baptist background that Ron did. Um, my father, Southern, good Southern and Baptist boy, had a calling. Um, the Lord said he, he called him uh, while he was on a park bench, called him into the ministry. I never heard my father's testimony. I, I heard it from his best friend. I never heard it from his mouth because by the time... We were moved to Dayton. Um, Daddy had accepted a church that put limits on who, what he could talk about. Mm. If you want this job, then you cannot mention this, this, and this, <clears throat> which is ironic because our church was only a few blocks from his parents' church, and ours was a church plant years before. And uh, Billy Sunday had preached in our church. Mm. So grew up knowing daddy was was really good about teaching us that Jesus was the son of God. We just didn't know how to get to him. That just didn't come in our Sunday school classes or even at home. But daddy always read scripture to us. And so it was, you know, 12 years old. That's when you get baptized. It's written somewhere. <laughs> I have not seen the chapter and verse, but... You know, in the American Baptist tradition, that's when you join the church. And I had a cold, so I didn't get to ba get baptized. And by the time the cold was over and my friends were already members of the church, I didn't want to do it with all those young kids. And like my baby sister, mm, didn't want to. And then we turned 17 and 
you know, I didn't want to speak anything that I didn't believe. And so that Sunday, particular Sunday morning, and I was not baptized, so I hadn't joined the church. And that Sunday morning, I'm in the middle of the choir loft, been convicted because I used to sneak out and go to the donut store down <laughs> with my friends before Sunday school. <laughs> so we were, I, was, I had moved to the middle of the, the choir loft, sitting between a mother-daughter um, duo who were the biggest women in our church. And uh, Daddy had picked hymns like, uh, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. Oh, how I love Jesus. And as any good Baptist knows, you, you have three hymns during the service, and you sing the first, the second, and the fourth verses. <laughs> because usually the power truth is in the third. But anyway, <laughs> I am kind of doing watermelon, watermelon, That's watermelon, fine. because I can't sing. Oh, how I love Jesus. Aww. I can't. I'm not sure about this. Pass me not. But the Lord said to me, first time I'd ever heard his voice, he said, if you come to the altar, I'll meet you there. I said, Lord, they don't do that here. <laughs> That's the right hand of fellowship, you know, good American Baptist, and <laughs> which is another, it was the new name for the Northern Baptist Church. And, I, and again, quietly, he said, if you come to the altar, I'll meet you there. And we get to that beginning of that fourth verse of the third hymn daddy's starting to move to give the benediction and i shove one of the ladies next to me to make my way out mm -hmm. i created a scene came down the steps back in and when daddy looked at me he knew what had happened we both started to cry mm -hmm. and he took me off into his study the first time he's never was never able to do his traditional Misbah um, benediction, mm -hmm. and that was the start of my walk with Beautiful. the Lord. Beautiful. And then, and from that point on, the Lord started to speak, and as He started to speak, I started to follow yeah. in a way I had not known before, and um, now I've become a mouthpiece. There you go. <laughs> Come on. Beautiful. My name is Linda Latimer. I was saved at a David Wilkerson crusade in 1974. Oh, yes. yes. Um, yes. I remember one thing he said that night, which was hilarious, because there was, um, of course, he had been known already for the cross and the switchblade book that he wrote and ministering to gangs and that whole thing. And, and that night, um, what well, he kept saying, um, before I tell you the funny thing, he kept saying... The Holy, talking about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's going to move here. And I was in a Presbyterian church. I didn't know what that meant. You know, I was like, <laughs> wow, you know, what's it going to do? <laughs> you know? And so when the altar call came, I experienced what the Holy Spirit does. Yeah, okay, when he on. calls you. So one of the things he said when he invited people forward was bring your butts up to the altar. <laughs> but he was talking about breaking off um, addictions like cigarette smoking. That's what he meant by yeah. the butts. Yeah. But yeah, so that, <laughs> that night when we left or when I got up from the altar, and in fact, I forgot that part to tell you. In this Presbyterian church, um, I would have been in junior high then. My mother was the uh, teacher of the uh, junior high um, 
Sunday school class, and she's the one that orchestrated this. And so I think all the girls that were in that class, plus my sister who was five years younger, she would have been in elementary school, all went to the altar that night. Mm. And then we got done praying when we looked, all these cigarette butts, you know, all the, all the, the packs of cigarettes and whatever else were all there strewn in the floor. And um, they took us in a room and they gave us, that was back in the day, kind of the Jesus people kind of time. They gave us this really cool packet, you know, and, and I followed it faithfully, you know, had something to read every day. So that was the start of my journey. Mm. And then um, fast forward a little bit, my mother uh, started being involved in um, the Catholic, the Newman Center on campus. There, there was a big move of the Holy Spirit, and I think you probably know about that. And she got baptized in the Holy Spirit. She had a, an amazing experience out in the parking lot. She saw Jesus on the throne and this green emerald wow. rainbow around him. And she's telling me all this stuff. And she read five or nine o'clock in the morning. And she, I was just intrigued. I was like, wow. And so I read the book. And I'm actually thankful we were still in the Presbyterian Church at the time because of what I've seen in evangelical circles of how they pray over people because that, would have never gone over for an introvert. So um, I read the book and just told the Lord simply, I wanted, I wanted the Holy Spirit, you know, you know, baptize me with the Holy Spirit. And so he did that when I was washing dishes one night. Come on. Yeah. So anyway, mm -hmm. so there was that. And then God moved us into an Assembly of God church here in Le Lexington where we were for over 20 years. And that's where I met Jim. And uh, then we went to a church plant, which was a house church, and then um, moved for five years. Before we came here was a church in Richmond. Um, uh, I th he really, um, looking back on it, took us there to be mothers and fathers yep. because they yeah. had a uh, um, devastating thing happen. Yeah, so right. um, we were there for damage control. Right. But anyway... Um, and so, um, and we wandered in between the, the house church thing and the Richmond church. We wandered for a long time. And so when we, it was a long story short, when we knew that our time was coming to an end at the Richmond church, I'm like, God, please, please don't make us wander yeah, okay. for I don't want to wander anymore. And so um, I think the week after the church closed, Jim was asked to come here and lead worship, and I was watching online and crying and bawling my eyes out in my PJs on the sofa. <laughs> so, <laughs> and the first thing that he comes in the door and he says, "You've got to come next week and meet these people. They're wonderful." So that's right. it. <laughs> come on. Wow, this is uh, this is so cool. This is really kind of like the culmination of of what I've hoped for for a long time, years and years. Yes. I mean, like Linda said, we've been, for the last few years, just doing basically the same kind of thing, but not really not really recognized for it. Not that the recognition is that important, but now we have kind of a mandate. Yes, you do. And it is really important, and, uh, and we appreciate that. Uh, just really briefly, because my testimony I'd love to share, especially with some of your young people, because it's kind of amazing. Um, would take a lot longer. But in a nutshell, I had a, a pretty troubled childhood. And it wasn't because I was messed over or abused. I think it was just me. And uh, questioned a lot of stuff. And, you know, just just a, a really, really rotten person to be around. And um, uh, 
as I grew older as an adolescent, I realized there was something very, very, very wrong and uh, had relationships with people, decent relationships, but I realized that I wasn't very good for these people. I just wasn't projecting any kind of good will, good humanity, good anything. I wasn't a believer. I, I knew who God was, but I really didn't have any understanding of a relationship with God. I've been going to church since I was that tall, but like, uh, like the rest of us, you know, if you didn't know where to look, probably not too many people were going to tell you, and that's a shame. And uh, anyway, uh, some amazing things happened to me when I was 18, and I met the Lord, experienced some incredible, miraculous things. And because of the background that I have, I feel drawn especially to young boys that have troubled pasts. And so boys that, that would be part of youth groups and people would say, well, you know, he's kind of a problem, whatever. You know, you might not want to spend much time with him. I'm thinking, yeah, I really do want to spend some time with this kid because I can relate to where he's been. I mean, yeah. his situation is different than mine, but I don't, I'm not scared at all. And one of these days I'd like to share a little bit more of my, of my testimony, especially with your young people, yeah. because I think they could, they could, uh, mm -hmm you know, grasp a lot more of just how amazing our God is. And I'm so thankful that God did not allow me to meet Linda until after this was over because yeah. she probably wouldn't have me. I mean, it's, right. it's, it's pretty wild. We've got two grown kids and two beautiful grandkids all here in Lexington. Yeah, and uh, we just love being here with you all. Come on, beautiful. Just a little snippet of their stories. I know there's a lot more to it. I want to ask them some questions. And then I want to ask you all some questions. Pop quiz, that's right. You ready? First one is easy. Do you confess anew that Jesus Christ is Lord? If, if so, say I do. Do you believe that you're called by God to serve the family of King's Church in the office of elder? Do you stand in harmony with the mission, doctrine, and leadership of King's Church? And do you commit by the grace of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit to serve in the role of the office of elder with integrity, diligence, and humility? All right. For you guys. Can y'all stand up? It's a two-way relationship. <laughs> All right, church family, will you, the people of King's Church, receive these men and women as elders of this faith family? If so, say, we will. We will. Will you honor them in love? Support them in prayer and joyfully submit to their leadership. Amen. All right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to lay hands on these four right here and pray for them. Can I get you guys to scoot your chairs up a little bit so we can really get around you? All right. Just pull it all up there together. Chuck and Megan, come on up here too, and let's lay hands on back, and I'll let you guys pray. and. Um, if anyone else is inclined, come and let's put hands on these. We're going we're gonna to commission them. We're going to pray for them. I meant to grab oil, too. Somebody want to run to the kitchen and grab some olive oil in there? That's good. There's oil in my purse. Oh, you want to grab it out of your purse? All right, get that. I meant to get it. Grab it, It's the roller ball. All right, we're going to anoint them. That's, that's kind of important. Kind of important, right? That's it. 
Chuck's got chapstick. I don't think that'll work. Man. <laughs> it's not chapstick. Let's do it. Let's anoint them. All right. I don't know, but that's yay. All right. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for the joy of your salvation. I can turn on for you. Turn on this. Sorry. All right. Thank you, Lord, for the joy of your salvation. Thank you, Father, for for four individuals who have ears to hear and eyes to see. Father, that they would would joyfully, joyfully dance before you. That what could look like a weight as a mantle is laid upon their shoulders would instead look like a cloak of protection from the storms. It would cover their heads and their ears and their body so that they are so in tune with your spirit that what's going on around them, the winds and the waves, do not buffet them. They're secured and protected. Yes, Jesus. Father, we thank you for their yes. Yes, Lord. Thank you for that. We thank you that they started saying yes long ago and they have a history of saying yes and calling out yeses from other people. We ask, Father, that you would give them that righteous bravery to speak truth and life to our church. We ask, Father, that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see, to listen and to grow to our moms and dads, that we would honor them. Father, I pray that you would take what the world has tried to mess up in areas of mothering and fathering, bringing in abortions and deaths and child sacrifice and, and abrupt ending to what you are creating. And you would change that in King's Church. That we would be a people who are impregnated with vision that you call to pass. That what you start today, whether we're here for 10 years or 50, that there would be a legacy left of a people who are so determined to listen to the Holy Spirit and to follow what you say that we put in path, our own pathway, boulders and boundary lines on purpose. That's right. Father, would you walk with them each day? Right. Wake them up singing over them, Lord. May they hear your spirit so closely. Father, I pray for their bodies. Would you unplug ears? Would you glisten eyes so they see all the clearer? Would you take what might be an achy knee or a sore back? Father, and we pray that in you, their spirits and their bodies would be youthful and energized, ready for the service that you're calling them to be in. Oh, Father, we love these four people. Mm-hmm. And we thank you that we know that you have a future that is good for them. That's right. All right. Father, we just thank you so much for their leadership. Yes, God. Thank you for their humility, Father. Lord, we just ask that, um, that Lord, we would be a people that we wouldn't be like... Um, rebellious children, like it says, like Israel in the wilderness. But we would be like those who listen, or we'd keep um, the commandment says, honor your father and mother and your days will go long in the land. God, we pray prophetically over them and over King's church. Um, the spirit of Elijah, mm-hmm. those who turn the, fa- the hearts of the sons back to the children and the children back to the fathers. 
Lord, I just pray, God, that um, eldership would be done different at King's Church. That you'd connect the generations, Lord, from Gen Z and beyond, Lord, to the boomers and and the, the greatest generation, Lord, that we would do it differently, Father. God, that we wouldn't be cynical in the way we see uh, leadership, that we wouldn't be cynical in the way we see eldership and church government, but that, Lord, we would see that you are the leader, Jesus, and that you have appointed it a way to to lead through people, and that, Lord, that is a good thing. And, Father, I just pray that um, what you're doing here would be like glue. That, Lord, we're not just uh, committing to, to... trite things that these are that we're really creating covenant we're committing to one another and you see that as a big deal and father i just bless them father i pray protection over them spiritually father that um, that they are going to be the first in the battle that's right that even in the day of their gray hairs that they are still on the front lines. God, I pray a spirit of Caleb in his old age, that there is still more to fight. There's still battle to win. There's land to take, that they wouldn't grow old and retire, but they would grow old and conquer. Yes, God. Father, I pray release a Caleb spirit, a Caleb anointing on them. Yes, Father. In Jesus' name. Yeah. Father, we're in a culture that desperately needs mothers and fathers, Lord. We need mature men and women of the faith who appoint us to you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for these ones and for their stories, Lord, their stories of your faithfulness for, for so many years, Lord, how you've met them and how you encountered them, Lord, how you called them by name, how you brought them to this place. Thank you for how faithful you've been. Thank you, Lord, for their wisdom and their maturity, Lord. Thank you for their experience, Lord, even through mistakes made. And failures in the past, God. Thank you for their humility of heart. And Father, we joyfully submit to their leadership. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for, for Ron and Betsy. Thank you for their presence in this church, Lord. We just speak blessing over them, health over them right now. Full blessing over them, Lord. I pray you would just protect their, their bodies, Lord, and their health, Lord. Protect their marriage and their minds, Lord. Father, just move them into such a good season, such a season of of plenty, a season of favor, a season of hopefulness, Lord God. Pray for their children as well and their children's children, Lord, that you would be a faithful God to them, that you would encounter, Lord, their children and their grandchildren, Lord, because of their faithfulness, that you would honor their girls, their grandchildren, Lord. Father, we thank you for Jim and Linda, Lord. We bless them right now. We thank you, Lord, for uh, just for the servant heart that they both that they both show, Lord. Not looking for acclaim, not looking for recognition. The first in line to go lowest, Lord. That's who we want to lead, God. That's who we want to follow. So we thank you for that, Father. We pray you would just give them strength. We just we just proclaim the rhythm of the kingdom over both of them, that they would find joy joy in the work of the kingdom, joy in their home and in their family as well. We thank you for for these ones, Lord God. Give them every tool that they need to lead. Give them extraordinary supernatural wisdom. Give them unity of heart, Lord. Give them favor. Give them power and authority in the words that they speak. 
Give them your heart, Jesus. Tender hearts, soft hearts, hearts for the lost, hearts for the broken, hearts for the orphan, Lord. Give them hearts, Lord, for your bride again in a fresh way. And Lord, we, the people of King's Church, we just commit ourselves, Lord, to be all that you want us to be in your strength. We love you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.